Well, we're going to continue in our series uh, that we kicked off a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it, it's called You Asked For It. And this week, we're going to be talking about something that I, kind of intrigued me, you know, really leading up to this. And it's uh, how do my decisions fit into the will of God? You know, when we look at, at decisions that we make, many times it's kind of like a frantic I just need to know God's will. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How when you're looking for God's will, it can bring this anxiety in your life. And, you know, to be honest, like I said, it was really stirring on the inside of me with just some things that, that I had been dealing with, uh, some very good friends, same questions kept coming up. And so really, this message is really the will of God in our decisions. Obviously, it's very difficult to talk about the will of God as a whole. And, and in fact, I, I may even follow something up Wednesday night on a little bit more in detail about the will of God, making decisions and things like that. But today, I just want to talk about, uh, you know, is there a will of God for you that is mapped out throughout the word of God? And if there is, are you there? You know, if you think about it, when I say the will of God in your life, you may automatically go to occupation or you may go to ministry or, or a relationship that you're in or any of these aspects of, of life, our daily life and living. You know, how would you be able to answer that if you could say, I know I'm in the will of God here or there? Now, here's a, some, these are some questions that, that came to my mind. You know, if I'm thinking about, you know, if you're looking at somebody that wants to get married, am I marrying the right person, right? That's a good question. <laughs> Amen. Am I marrying the right person? What if I go to the wrong job? What if I make the wrong decision? If I make the wrong decision, will it completely throw me out of the will of God? What if I'm supposed to move down a certain street? What if God has someone that he wants me to minister to? And if I make the wrong decision, does that person still hear the gospel? All of these things that we walk through, uh, we, we look at our choices. Is God involved in just big choices or small choices? How do I make these decisions? You know, if I'm faced with two decisions, how do I know which one to pick if they're both good? Right? These are all questions. Literally, it can feel like you're walking in the midst of landmines instead of a grassy, grassy slope with the shepherd. And I believe that there may be people this morning that are here and you feel like you have already made some wrong decisions and you feel like you're just out in left field and you don't know if you can get back on track. Let me encourage you this morning. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. There is no condemnation in Christ. Amen. So point number one, let's look at God's will. Very simply, God's will is his desire. And it's carried out by planning, decisions, and actions. Now let's look at, you know, a couple of aspects of his will. Number one, there's God's sovereign will. This, this aspect of God amazes me. What God will do cannot be changed. He's revealed it in his word 
through foreknowledge, he already knows every decision that will ever be made by everyone on planet Earth. Amen. He is omniscient, means he's all-knowing. He is immutable, which means he doesn't change. His character never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere. There's no way, nowhere that God is not. Example, when you look at, say, let's say Bible prophecy. Bible prophecy is one of my absolute favorite subjects. For instance, if you watch the news, you'll begin to see a lot of things developing even more and more rapidly in the Middle East. You know, when President Trump was meeting with, with Putin, uh, President Putin, uh, there was a discussion that had came out and they were talking about Syria. Now, Syria in, intrigues me because when we were in Israel, we were, we were in the Golan Heights and we were overlooking Syria. Well, come to find out, Russia, which is, you know, the north, Russia came, is there with Iranian troops and as well as Turkish troops. Now, the Bible speaks of that. You know, but this has been revealed, and now it's, it's like if you're reading the Bible, you can literally read the newspaper, and you can know what is going to happen. You know, it's amazing when you think about thousands of years ago, things are leaping off of the page right now. And that battle will lead to the Ezekiel war and all these things. God knows exactly what's going on. God sees it, even though maybe the news won't necessarily bring it out. But think about that. The Old Testament. Daniel. He gives this list of, of kingdoms represented by these beasts as well as represented by the statue that he saw. And every kingdom came after each kingdom through the pages of world history and happened exactly the way God said it. That is pinpoint accuracy. It, you can have full trust in the word of God. You can believe the word of God beyond anything else. See, I love prophecy. I love the teachings. I love the theories, all of those things. But in the end, God is going to work it out exactly as he says, exactly in his time, no matter what we think, no matter what theory, no matter how close you track that stuff, God has a day on his calendar. Amen. Our redemption is coming close, right? And we can see everything lining up with the will of God. For instance, you know, if you want to pray for the Antichrist to get saved, right? Some Man, I just, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? That's not going to happen. It's in the Bible. You know, I think about David and Goliath. And, you know, I'm looking at this story. Nowadays, people would probably just say, let's just pray for Goliath to get saved. <laughs> Instead of David just taking his head off. <laughs> All right. God has no rival. Amen. I love that song when we sing about he has no rival. I don't know about you, but it pumps me up to know that we serve a powerful, almighty God. Amen, right? I mean, if everything that, that you don't know what to be thankful for, you're just, you know, trying to find. Listen, when you know that God is in heaven sitting on his throne, 
He sees everything going on. He's not worried. He's not scathed. Right? I mean, he's not like, man, what am I going to do here? I didn't even think about this. God does not operate in that at all. God does not function in any realm of the unknown. God never has an emergency meeting in heaven. God never calls everyone into a boardroom and says, hey, did you know that so-and-so did this? What are we going to (laughs) do? If God makes decisions based on what we choose, then that is to say that there's a space where God doesn't know something, which would hem him in to our choice. You see, he's all-knowing. God has no plan B. He's in total control of the universe. He's in total, he's in total control of the nations. He's in total control of the atmosphere, of, of the earth. He's in total control of me. And he's in total control of you. That, that calms me. His ways are perfect. His purpose is perfect. I fit into God's plan perfectly in my imperfections and in my imperfect choices. And so do you. The Bible says in Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord like the rivers of water, and he turns it wherever he wishes. He's over every earthly kingdom and king. Daniel 4.35 says, he does according to, the, to his will in the army of heaven. And among all the inhabitants of the earth, no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? See, God is accountable to no one. So he didn't didn't have to check with someone to operate in your life or to do something in your life. Now, before you think God is some mean despot in heaven, I can assure you this works out in our favor. Ephesians 1.11 says, in Christ, we are chosen to be God's people because from the very beginning, God had decided in this keeping with his plan. And he is the one who makes everything agree with what he decides and wants. That's power. That's sovereignty. That's all knowing. Proverbs 16.33 says, we may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. That means if you play the lottery and you lost, that means God says you're going to lose that. (laughs) Oh, nobody got mad. (laughs) See, they would cast lots in the Bible. And what that that proverb is saying is God would even decide where that lot would fall. Now, another point is God's moral will or his written will, which once again, I'm eternally grateful for. That's what God says is right living. He lays out his word before us and he doesn't change it. His will is that we live according to his word. First Peter, I mean, second Peter one, three says, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. There is nothing that we cannot figure out without the word of God's help. Now God has given his spirit. God has given us his word. He's given us the power in Jesus Christ to walk out every area of our life so we can be confident in the decisions that we make. You know, if I could wrap the verse around 
what I want to talk about today, as far as God's will, I would think, I think it's in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Sanctification is just a big word for our living in Christ, for making decisions in Christ, for walking in Christ, for taking on the behaviors that Christ showed us in the Bible. You know, there's one well-respected writer. He says, you see, the will of God is not primarily a place. The will of God is not, first of all, go here or work here. The will of God is about you as a person. And if you are the right you, you can follow your desires and you will fulfill God's will. Think about that. So when I'm applying the word of God to my life, And I'm walking out situations that I don't understand. If I'm applying the word, it's changing me. It's changing my view. It's changing my desires. It's moving me down the path that God has for me. I've noticed in my own life, when I look at a preconceived view of a a meaning of, of of a verse, it gives me a preconceived application. In other words, if I interpret something and I see it a certain way, I'll take on the application of that way, right? If, for instance, because this is how I've seen it just in the conversations. When we speak about God's will, we narrow it down to the choices we make. That's what, that's what we think God's will is. I need to make the right choice to be in God's will. So it's saying, I have to find the detailed path in my life to walk in God's will, or I will be absolutely miserable. That's that's how we feel. We we drive ourselves crazy with every single decision. Now, God's will is that we get saved, right? God's will is that we walk in sanctification. God's will is that we are spirit-filled. God's will is that we submit to authority. These are all verses when you go out and read them. This is a summary of things that are in the will of God. Now, when we say, what is God's will for my life, and we narrow it down, what we're doing is we're making a belief system out of a, a way that we view something. You know, here's a couple examples. God helps those who helps themselves. We hear that all the time. But really, God helps those who can't help themselves. We'll use it in the realm of getting off the couch to go find a job. But really, we could not save ourselves. There was nothing that we can do, and God came in and saved the day. Money is the root of all evil, people say. But really, it's the love of money. That is the root of all evil. So people will begin to say money is the root of all evil. So then they will, they will believe that there's, they're living in this great plan of God if they can stay swimming in poverty. How about to thine own self be true? Have you ever heard that? That's Shakespeare. That's not even Jesus. What about God will never give us more than we can handle? We've all heard that. But really, that's not what the verse says. It's in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape. So when we think about... This is in the context of burdens, like God will not give you more than you can handle. I, 
I look at Job, I'm like, that brother could have took on more? <laughs> really? <laughs> How about my heart will go on? I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. That's Celine Dion. <laughs> now, I do believe that God does have a plan and purpose for our life. I believe that he does specific things in, in our life where he will speak or he will guide us to carry something out specifically. He will lay something on our heart. He wants us to carry out meaningful work for his kingdom. But it's not a do this or else mentality that we should take on. You see, does God hide a direction in the word of God for it? Does he say, I'm going to give you something to do, but I'm not going to tell you. You got to go search it out, figure it out. And if you don't, if you don't get it right, watch out. No, God knows what he has for us. He will tell us what he wants to, to, us to do, and he will empower us to carry it out. But I want to look at a verse a couple of verses again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 through 24. Listen to this. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord. He who calls you is faithful and he'll surely do it. So you see, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. Look at this as being behavior or how we, this is sanctification. This is God showing us how to function in the realm of serving him and walking with him. That's his will for our life. God's will for us is to be just like Jesus. That's his will, is to, is to walk in the way Jesus walked. Now, I know we probably think it's got to be more complicated than that. But remember, we're sheep, and sheep are dumb. It's kind of offensive when you think, like, you wait, of all the animals, you could have made me a German shepherd or maybe a, a lab. I mean, a lab's pretty smart. I mean, they, they could tell the difference between ducks. It's true. I was hunting uh, a couple weeks ago, and man, I'm like, is that ducks? The dog's not even looking. He's looking over here. I'm like, he knows that's ducks, and I don't. <laughs> Some of y'all are probably in the same boat. Y'all just want to act like y'all know every duck. <laughs> but at the same time, choices have consequences. That's why we should make our choices based on the principles of God. Now, look at, let's look at God's will. Passion or permission? Does he have a specific plan, a specific individual will for you? And if so, are you walking out of it? In other words, did, did he tell you, you have to go to this school? You have to marry this person? You have to eat here instead of here? That'd be nice right? How many of you, my wife's not here right now, but that's where the, the, the little thing, I mean, we, we argued about that yesterday, not argue, intense moment of fellowship. <laughs> that, that's what it was. 
Basically, I was not hungry. She was hungry. She wanted me to make the decision. It's like, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? It's up to you. What you want to do? I was thinking about this. Well, I, we go there. We'll go here. Well, I don't really want to eat that. Well, then you pick. Well, no, whatever you want. And so we're going all through Lafayette Christmas traffic. And at the end of the day, we walk into two places. And neither one of them is a place that she wants to go. So finally, you know, because we're trying to keep this kind of diet thing going. So we go to five guys. <laughs> so I guess the devil won on that one. <laughs> Ephesians 2.10. <laughs> for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now certainly, this is a verse that says, he tells me exactly how to walk. He tells me exactly the path I have to take. But in Paul's day, walking meant lifestyle. In fact, John the Apostle would, would also talk and say that in 1 John 1.6, if we say we have fellowship with him while walking in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. But it says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we know that we've come to know him. So what this is saying, if our lifestyle is a picture of darkness. Not that we don't make bad choices and bad decisions and go into sin and fall into sin, but if our lifestyle is not reflecting walking with Christ, that's a different deal. So that's the walk that he has for us is what our faith will produce if our faith is true. In other words, we're walking out the gospel. And we are his handiwork. In other words, he created love. He created power. He created healing and all of these things. He created the way that we walk in our sanctification. God is love. So he allows us to experience love and to give love. Look, I like the way it says it in the least expanded translation in Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus with a view to good works which God prepared beforehand in order that within their sphere, we may order our behavior. So it's the way that we walk our life is, is walking in the will of God, is walking in repentance, forgiveness, right? Joy, love for one another. These are the things God created for us to walk in. Now, I'm pretty sure everybody here wants to be in the will of God. Now. To miss this in our minds is to live a subpar reality that, that hymns us in to all the wrong decisions we make, right? That's, that's kind of how we see it sometimes. Now, based on, again, decisions in the plan B realm of the unknown where God does not know what we're going to choose, some of us have already made life decisions, right? Many of us have. We've already charted out our path, not even knowing God, not even thinking about the will of God. We have, we have walked down this path that we're on. Some have made horrible decision, decision after decision. One of my biggest character flaws is decision making. I, I hate decisions. I'm, I'm serious. The smallest decision, it, it rattles me. I, I'm so I get filled with anxiety. How much more the decisions that have to do with God? 
How much more the decision of walking out my life? Do you think you've all made the right decisions in life? I can tell you, probably not. If so, would you please counsel me? (laughs) Maybe you've been divorced and you feel that it's over for you. You feel as if you are sidelined into some second rate will for like, like God's like, nah, you blew it. So now you're discouraged. Now you're living in this third class, second or third class Christian existence. Maybe you view every purpose and plan that God has for you through a lens of regret and purposelessness. That's from the devil. That's the devil. You have not blown it. It's never over. You are not sidelined to some fourth string team that waiting for God to put you in when, when we're up 40. That's not God's plan and purpose for your life. God will redeem the time and you will flourish in the kingdom of God. Philippians 1 6 says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work will perfect it until the day of Christ. To those that are married, look at marriage, the nagging. Arguments. <laughs> y'all, y'all know, see, y'all are tracking. Yeah, this moment of fellowship. <laughs> the nagging argument that Satan will use in your intense moment of fellowship with your wife or your husband. You get alone by yourself, and Satan is whispering in your ear, You married the wrong person. Hmm. You married the wrong person. Everything you're going through is not even worth it anyway, right? You've made decisions, and you've drifted out of the perfect and permissive will. Now you ruined everything. You know why you keep getting aggravated because your wife makes macaroni, and she doesn't put the right amount of cheese to milk, and you're eating clumpy macaroni? That's the permissive will. If you would have married the right person, God trained her how to make macaroni since she was small. You would not be dealing with these situations if you were in the perfect will of God. The career you chose. Run. You made the wrong decision. You, that job that you have and and your boss is constantly nipping at you like a German shepherd. You made the wrong decision. If you were in the perfect will of God, you wouldn't be dealing with that, right? It creates anxiety. It creates this, what am I doing? You're never sure. You're never moving forward. You're moving forward and looking back, looking sideways, looking what this one's doing, looking what that one's doing, looking for this perfect situation. The reason you're not happy is because God's holding out on you. That's the same lie that he told Eve. And he's using that again in the nine to five in our, with our husbands and our wives. I wonder how many people have heard this conversation in their head. What fear does this create when you have to make a decision? Look at this logically. If God has one specific person, I know it sounds good in songs and, and it's, it's just this, Oh, God, she's just out there somewhere. She only lives 30 miles away. She's not in Bolivia somewhere. Right? Then if that's the case, then under no circumstance 
can you make the wrong decision? Because you have a lot of bloodline coming that's not supposed to be there. And then think about this. Your permissive might be someone else's perfect. Wow, you ever thought of that? Well, in the bloodline before you, what if they didn't marry the right one? Listen. And don't look at your wife and call her permissive. You're my permissive wife. There's no kingdom wife. You chose the person that you chose, and God wants you to be committed with them. Right? Now, God in his sovereignty obviously knows what we need. Right? I mean, think about it. When two people get together and they both got this personality like two pit bulls, on a chain, and they're just waiting to be right. I mean, certainly God has to intervene in that, but a lot of times God will use that in our sanctification to work some things out in our life. You know, it's either sandpaper or mashed potatoes. I don't know if you ever heard this thing we've used before. Marriage is like two potatoes, right? You skin them alive. You put them in hot, boiling water. And let them sweat it out. Then you take them out and put them on this pan and you mash them together until they're one. That's God's definition of marriage. <laughs> Don't look at your spouse. Hey, mashed potatoes taste really good. All right. Can I encourage you this morning, keep those side arguments away from you. Don't fall for those those side arguments. (laughs) Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now, when you read this with a preconceived notion of God's will as a certain... amount of choices I have to make out, then you will get to this point where you look at that with great anxiety. But if you see the verse for what it says, listen to this. Remember God's will is our sanctification. We just talked about that. So in other words, practically, is it God's will for you to lie? No. Is it God's will for you to take your neighbor's wife? No. Is it God's will to hate this person? Is it God's will to retaliate on this person? Now, if you think about this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you which path to take. So if a situation comes up in your life, say you, you, you can get a job, you have to lie on the application to make yourself sound smarter than you really are, <laughs> or you have to do something Get a job, and there's some things there that you know you should not do in that realm. When you look at it through God's will, through what his word says, it'll help you to make the right decision. Look at what it says in the Amplified. In all your ways, know, acknowledge, and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your path. Look at what it says in the NCV. Trust The Lord, with all your heart, do not depend on your own understanding. Remember the Lord in all you do, and he will give you success. 
So you see, it's taking what the decisions you're about to make, lining it up with the word of God and applying the principles and making the decision. In other words, he will guide you in the right way on which way to make that decision. I think of Paul. You know, Paul wanted to go to Asia. He had a pure motive. He wanted to serve God. He was walking with God. But the Lord intervened and sent him to Macedonia. So sometimes God will intervene. We're going down this way and God will say, whoop, turn this way. Go this way. What happens if we keep going? Do we go off a ditch? Do, do, Do we get before God and God's like, man, you totally missed it. I couldn't use you. Absolutely not. Colossians 1, 9 and 10 says, For this reason, we also, from the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you may be filled with the full, deep and clear knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things. Look at what it says. That you may walk. Live and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him and desiring to please him in all things. Bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing and increasing in the knowledge of God with fuller, deeper and clearer insight, acquaintance and recognition. So once again, everything that we apply when we apply the scriptures to decisions, to relationships, to life, we can know that we're making a right decision to walk because our desire is to be in the will of God. So God is involved in every path that we walk on. It's just just our motives. It's the worry that we have. I have the confidence and the sovereignty of God to know that if I make a wrong decision, some kind of way, God is going to work it out. Right? He's gonna, he's gonna fix that situation. If God is calling me to do something specific, God will make sure I get the message. I just have to stay tuned in, listening, applying the godly principles and decisions, lining myself up with God, and God will direct my path. That is to trust in the Lord and lean not on our own understanding, but God, this is a perfect situation. I'm trusting, I'm praying, and you will see that God will begin to dissolve that, or he'll say go, or he'll say, what do you want to do? Do you think God would do that? You think God would say, what do you want to do? I mean, think about that. Do you do that with your kids? They come here with two options. What do you want? Which one do you want? Sometimes God will do that. Look at what it says in Psalms 37, 4 and 5. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. So conforming to God is taking our will and our desire and saying, God, I want your will and desire. And then you're watching them beautifully merge together as his purpose and plan becomes unveiled as we walk out our daily life and living. Now think about this. If God's will is that we grow in Christ and God's will is that we keep moving forward, do you not think he will not protect us? Do you not think that he will guide us where he wants us to go? What I'm trying to come against is making these decisions with so much anxiety as if God has no way of working something out. 
Because I'm telling you, I know for me, making a decision is anxiety. And that's kind of where this came from. And I know when I see people that come to the altar, they're frantic with fear. I have to make this decision. And if we really are trusting, if we're seeking God, I'm trying to show you that if, if your motive is pure, if you are literally looking to God and saying, God, what do you think is the best option? I really believe you can have confidence in that decision. And I believe sometimes we're going to miss it. You know, obviously, we're going to miss it. Sometimes we're going to do things and say, man, I should have did this instead. But that's where we learn. And that's where we can have confidence that God's going to some kind of way work it out for our good and for his glory. Amen. But God, just tell me who to marry. God, tell me how many kids I should have. Right? That's what we want. And what if God said, what can you afford? How many kids can you afford? God, tell me if I should live in the country or the other city. Well, I mean, do you like the country? <laughs> think about it. Where do you think you get some of your preferences from? Maybe that's a God thing. Maybe it's okay. Maybe it's okay. That, listen, God ain't trying to trick us. I don't believe that. I don't believe God's trying to say, oh, you make the wrong decision. I'm going to smash you. I believe God would say, use the wisdom I, I've given you. Use the principles I've laid out before you. Proverbs 69 says, in your heart, you plan your life. But the Lord decides where your steps will take you. See, we need to keep in mind that God places desires. God places preferences in our life. There's things in our life that, you know, we might love that we were brought up in the country. I know for my dad, man, my mom and him lived in the city, and my dad was a country boy. He lived out on uh, Mr. McElhenney's duck ponds. And, I mean, Mr. McElhenney, he owns Tabasco, created this entire, I mean, it's like a, it's amazing. It's duck ponds and bear and all kind of stuff just running out. And my mom wanted to live in a house on Donald Street in the city, and my dad, you swear he was miserable <laughs> because he loved being in the country. So either way, my mom loved being in the city. So at, at some point, which is the will of God? How, what do I do? I think you just come to an agreement and you make the decision, right? I think, think about this in the next steps class. God has put talents and gifts on the inside of you. He has wired you. He's wired you with a personality. Some can be like pit bulls, right? No? Okay. And some are happy-go-lucky. All of those things work in God's plan and purpose for your life. That's why we have that. So you can go and say, okay, what is God doing in my life? And go on some kind of path where you can walk it out. You know, if you think about this, where should I serve? What is in you? What is in you? What is in you is what you do. I don't want you to think like if you want to be a lawyer and God wants you to be a doctor or you think God wants you to be a doctor and then you think you have to just go through all this school and you're miserable the whole time. I don't believe that's how God operates. I believe God is saying whatever you do. Do for the glory of God. Now, God will call you into ministry. God will call you to do things. God will call you to, to go to certain places. 
But I'm saying when you have to make the decision, where do you start? I would start looking, okay, what am I doing now? What, what am I, where does my bent towards? And, and you start to look at those things and then we'll get to the end and you begin to look at some key <clears throat> verses that you can line up with those things, okay? Jesus in John 4, 34 said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Jesus was passionate about what God had him to do. Obviously, Jesus came, lived out the gospel, died for us so we can walk in relationship with him. And then he walked out the word of God and, and the word of God was perfectly lived out through his life. He walked out the sovereign plan of God and, and lived out the moral plan of God. And in him, we have the same thing. We have the ability to walk out God's will through the, through the scriptures. Look at Jeremiah 29, 11, verse 13. We always read it from the path point of view. Like, I got to figure it out. It doesn't matter what I want to do. I got to get in this sentence, and I have to do what he wants to do. And Because we, we get afraid. Like, what if God wants me to do this, right? Don't we, don't we ever feel that way when, when it comes into ministry? What if God is going to send me to overseas? Right? We, we start to worry about that. Listen to what it says. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you future and a hope. Then you will call on me and I will, and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Some translations say, I know the plans that I have for you. And so when you read that and you automatically think, I got to find what God wants me to do or else I will be miserable, I'll miss God. Look at, what he, look at what he says. What are God's thoughts and plans towards us? He tells us in the second half of that verse. Verse 11, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. The context is Israel was in rebellion and God did have a plan. Obviously, it was to let them flourish in Israel. But look at what he was wanting them to do. Not necessarily find a specific plan, however there was one. But he wanted him to learn of him, to seek him. Then you will call upon me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You see, don't concentrate on the specific thing you think God wants you to do. Concentrate on knowing him. Concentrate on being in him. Concentrate on thinking like he thinks. Embracing him, loving him, walking with him. That is where we focus our attention. And, and it takes away the anxiety because you're starting to learn. And like I said earlier, your desires begin to merge. You start to think, well, maybe God would want me to do this. Maybe God would want me to talk to this person. Maybe God would want me to go here. That's the things that we'll begin to see instead of this, I have to make the right decision. Amen? See, it's not about where you live. It's not about where you go. It's not about what job you take. It's about bringing God where you go. God's not necessarily worried about what store you go to. He's more concerned about what you do in that store. Do you reflect his glory? Do you reach out to people? That's what God's most concerned about, is our interacting with people. That's why he gives us guidelines. 
But we would rather say, God, just tell me what you want to do, which is noble, right? But it can be crippling if we stay in that realm. That's why I believe there's guidelines in the Bible that will guide us and help us make decisions. You know, I think there's a misunderstanding because we know that God controls everything, right? We, we agree with that. But I think we think he meticulously controls everything. In other words, like he has you on a leash or something. But no, God is trusting you with the decisions that he is giving you to make. You know, I used to look at options as something that's painstaking. I mean, don't give me two options, please. Give me one. Just give me three options. You're kidding me. When you look at the options, look at them as blessings, that you have options in a situation, right? I like what it says in Ephesians 1.11. He is the one who makes everything agree with what he decides and wants. I like that verse. So how do I view God's will for my life? And, and how do I live in that? Well, number one, accept that God has a sovereign will and he gives me freedom to make choices in that will. That, set, that should settle you. That should give you security. Jesus, James says, don't worry. Say, if the Lord wills. So that means I know that if I'm going to make a decision, if the Lord wills, I'm going to go in this direction. That doesn't mean he micromanages you, right? Think about it. He doesn't micromanage. We, some of us would like that. But try micromanaging your kids. <laughs> Don't they get frustrated and want to bite you? See, God sees the big picture. God sees the small details and the big details. He sees the turns we miss. And this is one of the marvelous mysteries of God. For some kind of way, he's able to work it out. So don't be paralyzed by the decisions that you need to make. Proverbs 3, 6, remember the Lord in all you do and he will give you success. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is whatever decision you need to make, bring it before God and say, God, this is what I'm, I'm thinking. This is, this is what I'm wanting to bring to you. And I want to see if there's anything that you see here that would cause me to make the wrong decision. But you know what's the right thing? The motive that you have, right? The motive, like I want to please God. And number two, accept God's moral will as the standard. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4. I gave you verse 3, but back it up to verse 2. For you know what instruction we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. So we think, where do we live? Right? Where do we work? Who do I reach out to? God thinks, what will you do in the neighborhood you live in? Will you reflect my glory? At work, will you display my attributes and, and work to display my glory? Will you live in faith and inspire people? See, God is more concerned about the conversations than the, and the interactions than the place we actually go to. Now, do you, even have do you even have freedom to make decisions, right? That's another, like, we feel if I make the wrong decision, or maybe I just do feel that way. But anyway, I'm sharing my heart with you to try to help you in case you feel this way. I like what Haddon Robertson says. We are shocked when we turn to the Bible and discover the question, how do we know the will of God for life's tough decisions? Isn't it a biblical question? God does not encourage us to ask the question. And even more significantly, God gives us no answer. The Bible silence almost shouts at us. 
Think about that. That would cause you to be kind of full of anxiety. But really, that's not how things play out in the kingdom of God. If God's word specifically says something, follow God's word. If God's word does not tell you something specifically, apply the principles that you do know and walk it out. You see, you apply what you know, right? If you only know a couple of scriptures, you'll only be able to apply a couple of scriptures. That's why it's so encouraging to stay in your Bible, stay in your word. Now look at what it says in Ephesians 5, 15 and 17. Look carefully then how you walk. This is, this sums it up. Live purposefully, worthily, and accurately, not as the unwise and the witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people, making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. Once again, it's in living and being. It's in walking. It's in carrying out his will that we walk in his will. Now, as we close, there are some key things that we can do to make decisions. Number one, is it biblical? Is the decision I'm about to make biblical? The Bible says that the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So let me tell you this way. Lord, should I marry this cute girl, but she's a Satanist, but she's really nice. She bakes phenomenally. I really could see myself with this person. What would be the decision that if I just had to make that decision based on the word of God, I would probably say I'm not going to necessarily be unequally yoked with that, right? I mean, a Christian has one thing, but it's really it's a believer that walks out the kingdom of God. But you go way over here into a Satanist. I mean, I'd be kind of rough in the household, right? She's doing sacrifices. Never mind. Or look, I have an opportunity to make a lot of money. Now, there's some shady things that go on there. But, you know, I'm going to just bring light. If I had to make the decision, I would look at that and say, you know what? I'd rather not get involved in that situation because if some things come up, I may create a skirmish, right? I'm looking at a situation going into it saying, I'm going to try to make the best decision possible. Number two, look for God's wisdom in prayer. James 1.5, if we lack wisdom, all we have to do is ask. Ask, God, these are the decisions. You know, I have, I've narrowed it down to two, two. These are two really good options. I'm asking for wisdom on what decision to make. These are the options that I have left, and I'd like to know what you think. Give me some insight. What do you want me to do here? What do you think is the right decision? You know the end from the beginning. And it's okay to have a preference, right? It's okay to say, God, I'm leaning towards this. I don't think that God wants you to be miserable and confined to a chain of decisions. I believe God gives you that freedom, right? Number three, listen for his voice. The Bible says that when the spirit comes, he will guide us in all truth. All means all, all truth. He sees every aspect of our situation. Pastor Todd spoke about that last week, how to know when you're hearing from God. I'll give you an example. Shannon and I were looking to buy a house a couple of years ago, and we had an option to stay where we were, buy a house here, or buy a house in the neighborhood I grew up. I had a preference. She really didn't have a preference. But 
rather we'd have moved on the other side of town or in that house, I think the Lord would have been okay. However, knowing that what would happen down the road with my mom and I would need to be there, I believe that God orchestrated that and I really had a sense that this is probably where we need to, need to go. And, you know, through his foreknowledge and seeing what was coming down the road, I believe today I look back and say, man, I'm glad we made that decision. But what if God sent me aside and said, oh, you moved into the wrong neighborhood? No, I don't believe that. You know, the, like I told you before, God's sovereignty just kicks in sometimes. He, I mean, it just, man, I was going to make this decision. You know, when you leave home and you, you woke up late and you, you're like, man, there's a wreck. Sometimes that's just God coming, coming in and hemming you in to protect you. See, we make decisions all the time. We don't know if the small ones are going to cost us. We think the big ones are going to cost us. We just kind of have a bent towards that. But we don't know which, which ones are going to catch us. Number four, godly counsel. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 20:18. make plans by seeking advice. Get godly counsel. Find godly counsel that you trust and respect. And I said godly. Not people that have bad experiences that don't believe God for nothing and think everything's a rabbit's foot or a by, by chance. Go to godly people. Say, this is what I'm thinking. Do you see anything within this circumstance that I am not seeing? And you can have a bent or you cannot have a bent. But gather the facts. And a multitude of, of, of counsel is safety. Amen? And this is the last point. God's sovereignty is our safety. Amen. I, I'm telling you, when you start to understand that God got me, God got me. Look, Romans 8, 28, we are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good. And for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. Amen. Don't you just love that verse? Philippians. Not in your own strength. I like this part. For it is God's will, it is God who is all the while effectually at work in energizing and creating you and the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Amen. Can we stand? Now I want to give you two options. I want to say, before we even go, go further in the invitation. If you do not know Jesus and you're out here just kind of making your own decisions, you're just not having any insight, I want to encourage you. The first, absolute first step that you can make is coming to Christ. Jesus died on Calvary's cruel, rugged cross. So you and I would not have to spend eternity apart from him. The greatest decision you will ever make, and you could be 100% confident that you are making the right decision, is when you give your life to Jesus. And I want to give you that chance. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give you a simple invitation. If you could say that I have never asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life, I just want you to raise your hand and I want to pray for you. I just want to pray and ask God to, to change your life, to save you, to empower you and to equip you. Some of us need to make the right decisions, right? 
So if that is you and you are here this morning and you have never made it right with Christ. In other words, you've never submitted yourself to his lordship, to to his relationship. God is your father. And if you have not given your life to Jesus, you're you're out in outfield somewhere. And I know that Jesus wants you to come home. Jesus wants you to receive him. So if you would say that I have never done that and I want to do that today, I just want to see your hand. Just simply slip it up and I'm going to pray for you. Amen. Good. Everyone in here knows the Lord. Praise God. Now listen, if you have a big decision that you want to make, I want to ask God to give you some wisdom. And listen, if you've made some wrong decisions and you feel condemned, Can I encourage you to just shake that off and allow God to to move in your circumstance and to give you insight making decisions going forward, amen? Father, I just come right now in the name of your son, Jesus. Father, I know that there are a lot of decisions that are here. Lord, I know there's a lot of decisions about who to marry, uh, what school to go to, what job to take, where to move. What should I do about a situation? God, I'm asking that as we've just talked about your principles, God, I ask as we just talked about your freedom, Lord, I ask that you would remove anxiety from these decisions. Lord, that they can trust in your good hand, in your powerful, almighty knowing. Father, to gain your thoughts, to gain your perspective. And God, I'm asking right now that you would pour out the wisdom of heaven in every circumstance. And God, I'm asking that you would help them in every single situation and circumstance that comes their way to make the godly decision, to make the decision that will prosper them going forward. And God, I just thank you that every past decision that has been a train wreck, Lord, is under the blood of Christ. And Father, I thank you that you are redeeming every experience, every turmoil, every missed turn. You are redeeming that. And and it is sovereignly in your all-powerful will. And Father, I know that your hand will not be shaken from their life. God, I honor you. I thank you for this time together. Lord, I ask you would bless each person as they go their way to walk in confidence, to make the decisions that they can make in your will and in your power. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask. God bless you. You're dismissed. Amen. Praise God.